Greetings, programs, and welcome to a new episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. This is Sunday, March 19th, both for recording and release, which is uh, unusual for us. Uh, I am your host, I'm Matthew, and with me as always is Simon. Say hello, Simon. Hello, 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 hello. And um, thanks for joining us if you joined us for the live uh, Oscars for our live blog last week. And what's really nice about the Oscars this week is that, last week rather, is that they seem to get it right, right? They seem to get everything right. I don't, usually when the Oscars finishes, I'm angry or sad or pissed off at something. And uh, I don't think there was a bad winner in there. What, what do you think? Yeah, my hot take is that there were no bad winners uh, at the Oscars this year. I know there's some consternation online um, about Jamie Lee Curtis winning over Angela Bassett. And I see that. I don't think that Jamie Lee Curtis was an undeserving win, um, but I, I definitely get why people went, would be disappointed that Angela Bassett did not. Mm-hmm. And there's the ongoing Oscars so white stuff. Like honestly, having seen a lot of movies last year, I don't know why Andrea Riceboro would be nominated for Best Actress. Not to say that she's bad, but why would you nominate her and not like Regina Hall? <laughs> you know, for mm-hmm. like, there's definitely. Uh, like, I said this uh, on our... Uh, so recently I recorded a clip for our friends at Classic Movies Live. To, just talking about the Oscars. I recorded it the day before the Oscars. And uh, one of my points about the Oscars, and one of the things that's helped my opinion about the Oscars, is to just realize that it's just a regional awards show. It's yeah, not, it really is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not the... They are not the arbiter of taste, uh, or quality even. So... It's just a popularity contest. It's, it's again, the biggest regional popularity contest, but it's just a regional popularity contest. So that has also helped me with my, you know, my reaction to these things. But yeah, I mean, every single winner this year was entirely deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching everything everywhere all at once clean up uh, mm-hmm. in almost every category that it was nominated in with seven wins and all of the above the line above the line nominations that it had and it's the first movie to win three acting awards since network in 76 um and whether or not you like that movie and i have a hard time understanding people who didn't like that movie but that's another discussion taste is taste uh but just watching that movie clean up to me is important because it means that more movies like it might get made. Yeah. So, and, and uh, whatever Daniels makes next is going to have an open budget. Like they're not going to be restrained for whatever they want to do next. I mean, they're not exactly restrained now, but I take your point. Well, <laughs> they, they, we're not restrained by money anyway. <laughs> yeah. The um, I I wish there had been some way for all four of the main cast to win an Oscar. I know it was impossible because Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hsu were in the same category. And honestly, my only thing I would have changed was Stephanie Hsu winning uh, supporting um, instead of Jamie Lee Curtis. But I did really, really like, I love Jamie Lee Curtis anyway, but her, her acceptance speech was about the team, was about the number of people that were brought yeah. to that moment. And she thanked the whole cast and, and it felt very, very sincere and, um, it was also just it, awesome to watch her hyping up every time her move, every time anyone won, she was on her feet cheering for them, which was yeah. kind of wonderful to watch. And yeah, yeah, I I think that like for me, I actually had guessed that Angela Bassett would win mm-hmm. um, for a lot of reasons, for many of the same reasons that probably Jamie Lee Curtis won. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the whole legacy in Hollywood type thing. They've been around. Mm-hmm. They've both been around a long time. They've both done a lot of work. Neither has an Academy Award to their name yet. Um, and I don't know. I mean, again, it just comes down to the the marketing campaign, right? Like, I think Jamie Lee Curtis had more people stumping for her, and therefore she won. You know, that's just what it comes down to. It doesn't yeah, mean that um, Angela Bassett was bad in Black Panther 2, because she was not. Uh, she was phenomenal. I think there's a there's an, an aspect of a legacy award as well, isn't there, with Jamie Lee? Like, she's she's been yeah. in the business for so long now, and I think that does come into play. I'm sure it does, but I sort of I feel like that one is negated by the fact that so has Angela Bassett. 
Like if they, mm-hmm. if that was the reason one of them was going to win, then it was a coin, a coin flip for me because they, yeah. they both. Yeah, no, I think that. that's. I think it would have been so, appropriate for both of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I do, I do, you know, I'm the least as a middle-aged, bearded, cisgendered, heterosexual white man. I am the least qualified person to comment on this, but I do get, even though a movie starring Asian actors and featuring Asian cultural diaspora stuff won all these awards. I do get why African-American people would feel slighted by the Academy again this year. Cause again, like Regina Hall, not nominated and Angela Bassett odds on favorite to win and lost to a white woman. So I sort of try and see all sides of it. And I don't, um, I don't have the answers. I'm just going to choose to listen to, everyone who is more qualified than me to talk about it because that's how we grow of course yeah. talking of growing, yeah, what are we talking what overall what are we talking great about show. this week yeah oh yeah we we're talking about two movies this week um that's actually not as much banter as usual let's dive right into it because i feel like oh okay we're gonna talk for a long time or or not yeah. about both of these movies um yeah. so you know, normally on the show, when we pick two movies to review, um, we like to uh, choose a theme. And uh, the theme of this week's show is Brotherhood. Uh, and the first film in our themed show <laughs> How? Is, the, is the 2023 raunchy comedy release, Cocaine Bear. So, let's dive into it. Um, um. <laughs> Where should we can even I, start with Cocaine I, Bear? Can I, can, I begin by, can I begin with a clarification? I'd like to challenge you yeah. on your use of the word comedy. I would like to challenge your terminology here. I mean, I laughed four or five times. Four wow, or five. that's, that's yeah. four or five times less than I did. Yeah, I understand that you hated this film. and I, I hated this film. Okay. Yeah. So what's, what's the synopsis of Cocaine Bear? Go for it. Uh, well, uh, a drug dealer <laughs> drops a bunch of cocaine in a forest, and a bear does that cocaine. Um, yes. That's based on a true, that's actually that's basically the whole story. It's based on a true story, except in the true story, the co- the bear did all the cocaine and died pretty much instantly of cocaine, which would yeah. have been a more entertaining movie to watch a bear dying slowly. For ninety minutes, uh, cocaine abuse. <laughs> wow! Like, don't real, don't sh- like, that, don't sugarcoat it, real, man. You you tell us it, exactly how it, you felt. Don't sugarcoat it. They had if they had skimped on the CGI and got a real bear and raised it from childhood to be an adult bear purely so they could give this bear an actual cocaine overdose and then film this bear convulsing into death into a painful death. It would have been a funnier fucking movie than the movie we got. That's um okay. That's a little dark, man. That's a little dark. That's maybe too dark. Maybe I think you need to like just no, I mean, take a I'm deep English. breath. Maybe I'm English. That's not even the tip of the iceberg of where the darkness goes. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate on Canadian standards that's different. Look, a comedy, right? A comedy at its central, central. Like, uh, uh, why does it exist? is to be funny and to be funny you need a director who understands comedy you need a script that is that has jokes in it that are funny and you need uh uh uh, editing that cuts those jokes together right these are the basic tenets of a comedy and this film is filmed as a ridiculous comedy it's not not necessarily like a a Sharknado or a meg over the top monster movie which would have been great oh no this is definitely comedy this is definitely more of a snakes on a plane than it is either yes. of those things. It's a, and it's a I, meme I will, in film clothing. I will say that it is not, um, as a person who didn't hate it, <laughs> it is not, like there's definitely a few moments that are laugh worthy. Most of them come in the first half. And actually, I do think that the, the film sort of blows its load. Uh, with there's a there's an action sequence there's an action sequence in the middle that's by far the best thing in the movie, which features none of the main characters except for the bear, um, <clears throat> and you've also seen most of in the trailer, unfortunately. Which scene? Uh, in fact, 
in in fact the the first trailer for this movie is basically the the sequence with the with the ambulance uh that is the best Uh-oh. sequence in the movie Right. Um, it is a lot gnarlier in the movie because the movie is R-rated, and there's a couple of like there's a lot of really gnarly deaths in this movie, um, which if you're into that sort of thing, is probably good. Um, <clears throat> the but mostly it's like the movie is uh, the same scene repeated over and over again. It's uh, people wander into the forest. Oh shit! There's a bear on cocaine. Like, whoa, isn't it? Look at, look at the bear. Oh, the bear is now killing us. We are being lip, ripped limb from limb. Which is fine. Um, which is, which is, could have been a really funny. If you got Sam Raimi to make that movie, it would have been a good movie. If you got someone who understands how to make a funny, gnarly monster movie. See, for me, the, the problem been, is that, like, great. for me, the problem is that there's a lot of sequences like that that are. Well, not a lot, but there's a few sequences like that that are pretty good, like the ambulance scene. The opening scene is actually pretty funny, I thought, with um, Christophe Hivju, I think is how you pronounce his name. I did not. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, the bigger problem is the movie is very, very, very uneven. So there's a few really, like, standout moments, and then there's a lot of really boring shit. And I don't quite get so like i don't i didn't to be clear again i didn't hate this movie but i did not like it it's not very good i don't think i think there's i can see why some i can see why some people are enjoying it um there's sort of just enough there that if you put it on in the background while you were doing your sunday chores uh would probably be fine but i don't really like i would say I would say that Snakes on a Plane is even a more coherent movie than this one, or a more consistent oh. one, at least. It's much more enjoyable, for sure. Absolutely, because I mean, again, you've got the you've got the t- it's the reason Snakes on a Plane is more enjoyable is because it's made with like a modicum of technical know-how. Like the the three main things here: the direction, the script, and the editing are all, particularly the direction and the editing, are all so bad, I you'll actually wonder if you fell asleep during... There's a couple of transitions at the end that are so bad, you, you'll wonder if you blacked out for a second, and you just sort of jump, did a jump cut in your head. The There's... and The problem with the direction is beginning and end Elizabeth Banks. Like, she... Her, her only gift to the film world is demonstrating that she can take amazing casts with interesting uh, stories full of potential and just make them the worst directed pieces of shit. If you look at Pitch Perfect 2, I love the first Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect 2 is one of the worst sequels I've ever seen. It's just so badly directed. But uh, also Charlie's Angels, the cast for the Charlie's Angel reboot is phenomenal. I really enjoyed the three women they cast in Charlie's Angels reboot, but it is written and directed and edited in such a ham-fisted way. It's a complete chore to watch. And this is exactly the same. I, I, I watched the beginning to the end of this movie, just absolutely stunned at how badly made it was like from front to back. And the the script is awful. I was certainly going to say that, like, I, Elizabeth Banks has no discernible. The, the politest way to say it would be that she has no discernible voice. Like, it's just point the camera and hope for the best. And you're right. I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think it's very good. I think that's also. I will say I don't think this is her worst film. <laughs> I don't think. I think that Charlie's Angels is probably her best, and Pitch Perfect Two is probably her worst. And I don't know whether it's just lack of experience or lack of feedback or whatever. But like, yeah, I don't. I don't think this is particularly well directed. Um, I think this again. This uh, for me, the uneven unevenness comes back to the script as well. Um, there's this. It need, this is a movie that needs like constant motion, and there's a lot of standing around and talking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but on the upside, like Margot Martindale is a national treasure, and every almost everything she says in this movie, I found funny because she's just got amazing delivery. And I also like the the one thing that this movie makes clear. Um, is well not the one thing, but one thing this movie helps clarify 
is that Alden Ehrenreich is a really funny dude. And I really hope that, you know, we are finally over the fact that he was in Solo because I've enjoyed him <laughs> in this movie. I've enjoyed him in this movie and in another movie this year called, um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. He's in another Netflix movie that's coming out later this year that I saw at Sundance um, that I thought was really, I thought he was really, really good in. And he's not working with the best material, but he, his delivery is often quite good. Uh, so even when the material itself is quite bad. That's, and on that point, like compare his character, Eddie, is, um, uh, spends a lot of time with David, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr. And can you imagine if, there, if the script had had the same kind of life to it as the two hitmen in uh, Bullet Train? which is the same kind of dynamic, like two baddies kind of sniping at each other, trying to get a job done whilst arguing all the time about how to get the job done. So you you forget that I didn't like Bullet Train either. So yeah, I can't imagine that because it wouldn't change anything. But the script, the the script is actually funny. The Bullet Train lines are actually funny and bouncy and full of energy, regardless of what you think about the movie. These two poor actors who are both fine actors had just the worst fucking every joke every moment landed like a fucking lead balloon like it was just awful it was painful to watch them nah. have to go through this and make it work and i just and also, I, you, so honestly you, you i felt Kerry exactly Russell? the same about well i felt exactly the same about take, bullet train man so i don't i don't do, have how, a how do you take kerry russell and ray liotta who it turns out is his final movie and ma- and put them in such a flat, boring, terrible, like script, and film them so badly. Uh, it's just, I don't, I, I don't. I mean, that happens. That happens all the time. Ray Liotta's been in tons of shit, and so has Carrie Russell. That part doesn't bother me. I mean, uh, I think you're f- way more forgiving about this than I am. Like it's. I mean, it's, I watch. I do. Crazy. I do watch a, a lot more films, and I've definitely seen worse films. Like this calendar year than this i watch so. a lot i watch a lot of shit man like this is technically technically just abysmal i can't get over how bad this film is on every level for me i don't know i would say i hold it in roughly equal esteem as bullet train which i did not like whoa fuck me so <laughs> yeah i mean this is just proof positive that our tastes are you know pretty divergent when it comes to this kind of thing so, uh, I, yeah, I, don't know. I think there's lots of people who are loving this movie. So there's definitely something there for some of you, but um, there wasn't there wasn't for me at least. Um, it's, I guess it's fine. I guess parts of it are parts of it are fine, but it's overall it's not a good movie. I didn't enjoy it. Um, except again for the few things that I've mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And what's really annoying too, though, is that like as much as I will praise. Margot Martindale's delivery earlier in the film, there's a scene towards the end where she ends up doing something utterly ridiculous and that lands like a lead balloon. And you can just see it coming from a mile away. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because, as with many other things, um, all of the pieces are there for it to be good and it just doesn't come mm-hmm. together. And for me, yeah, that is see. unfortunately a reflection of the director. Cause that is, you know, the director is the person who's meant to, to have the cohesive vision for the film. And I feel like this movie did not have that. Yeah. This could have been really fun. It could have been a really, really fun time. And it was just squanders it completely. It's yeah. And I feel like ha- kind, of, kind of like snakes on a plane. This is a kind of movie that this time of year with the other options on the same weekend, like it's going to be the one people go see no matter like just because of what it is, right? Like mm-hmm. when Snakes on a Plane came out, you'd bet your ass I was there opening weekend because it was going to be Snakes on a Plane. Like, but yeah. Snakes on a Plane failed because it's actually I kind of appreciate that it exists because it proves you can't intentionally make a bad movie. Like you can't intentionally make a movie that's so bad it's good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but Cocaine Bear is just like made with probably with good intentions, but just fails, unfortunately, for mm-hmm. me. How many stars are you giving the cocaine bear? I will give it one each for Alden Ehrenreich and Margot Martindale. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. So two. I'll give it two. I didn't hate it. I just was disappointed by it, which maybe is worse. I know when your dad says that to you, it's definitely worse, but that's how I feel. <laughs> how many times has your dad said this to you? Do you want to... Let's talk about that, shall we? No, it's a different podcast. Everyone's dad <laughs> has said that to them at least once when they've done something idiotic as a teenager. And they say, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And it just cuts you <laughs> yeah, to, your, to, the, to the bone, to your soul, yeah. like to the, to the bones of your soul. Just rips out the subcockal region of your heart. But anyway, uh, yeah, two, two stars. And I assume you're going to give it uh, one because that's the myth. This no this is the first time ever that i'm giving zero stars so good like good luck coding that for the site i don't know how you're going to do that letterbox won't let me uh it's just leaving it unrated um this is the first time i've ever gonna given a movie zero stars there is nothing in this film that i would find justifies any star whatsoever you know i've never i've never ever given a film if so I gave star. this film one star, no, it's not one star, it's zero stars. If I gave this film one star, it would have the same rating as Knock at the Cabin. And I would watch Knock at the Cabin a million times over watching this movie. It is it is worse than Knock at the Cabin, which is a one star movie. Ergo, vis-a-vis, it's a zero <laughs> star movie. This is not right. a one star movie. So one star, because that's the minimum. Gotcha. No, 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 it's a zero star movie. So no rating from Simon then. Gotcha. This no, it's the my rating is zero. Yeah, no stars. Got it. No, no rating yes. at all. Yes, no stars. No. 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 Why rating are you being all? pissy about gotcha. this? No. <laughs> Look, man, we have established norms and norms and rules yeah. are what sets apart from the animals. Z- so you can give right. it one star or you can un- not rate it. No, I don't. I, this is like this is the typical Canadian. You have to tip. <laughs> You give a low tip for bad service. Are you fucking kidding me? You give zero tip for bad service. You give hey man, zero stars same, for a bad movie. Same same rules on Letterboxd, man. You can't give a movie zero stars. I don't give a shit. Right? I don't give a shit. <laughs> I just have. Watch me. Sue me. Zero yeah, stars. I, you know I'm leaving it unrated on the site, right? That, that's how it's going to work. No, do whatever you want. It's a zero star movie. <laughs> I do enjoy how passionate you are about this. Oh yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think that's uh, enough of that. I yeah, I don't. I had such high hopes for Cocaine Bear, but mm-hmm. if you've watched the trailer, you've seen the single best section yes. of the movie. So uh, absolutely, the trailer is is literally all the interesting parts, and it makes yeah. it sound it makes it look like a really fun time. It's not trailers are cut that way for a reason, but it's that's all true. the fun stuff. Do yourself a favor and do not go and watch this movie. Like, do literally yeah. anything else than watch this movie. Good. Awesome. Well, okay. moving next, on from a story film. about reclaimed brotherhood in the wilderness terrorized by a bear to a film about brother, brothers in the inner cities of Canada, let's move on to uh, Elevation Pictures' newest release, which uh, by the time you watch this, by the time you listen to this, will be in, in cinemas, uh, which was an a critical darling at every festival that it's played at this year, including Biff late last year, where we both missed it, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally in theaters is Clement Virgo's film, Brother. And why don't you give us a rundown on Brother, just to help you calm down a little bit. Right. I can still see that vein <laughs> in your forehead pulsing. Unraging my, my ass. Um so brother is a film about two brothers um michael uh the younger brother played by lamar johnson who was recently seen in the last of us which i didn't realize and um francis played by aaron pierre and they both live in you're gonna have to help me here because i want to say scarborough because that's how you say the that city in my country but in canada scarborough scarborough which is a, a region a region of Toronto, suburb of Toronto. Or if you're from there, so if you're from here, it's Scar- Scarborough and Toronto. But if you're from there, it's Scarborough and Toronto. Okay. So. Um, and it's a character study, basically. And it's told there's three distinct time 
narratives that and it jumps between them of uh, Michael and Francis climbing. It begins with Michael and Francis climbing a very dangerous electricity pylon. And then it cuts uh, to the present day where, uh, and this is not a spoiler, but um, there is, there is a character missing because they and somebody else is grieving over them. If you, if you want to cover all the spoilers and, and then it cuts back to the main brunt of the movie is the story of Michael and Francis growing up with their single mother um, in this uh, suburb, um, trying to make their way through it, trying to keep their head clean, um, trying to avoid the police who are obviously horribly racist towards them. And um, it, it, the from, from what you are told, literally within the first couple of minutes, you know, this is a story about grief and loss. And part of the story is remembering someone who has died. And so the present day story is uh, Michael dealing with that, with these ghosts from his past whilst trying to look after his mum. And then we, we kind of, we're given the end of the story at the beginning and then the rest of the movie shows us how they get to that point. And um, it's masterful. I mean, it is a character study. It's, it's uh, completely dependent on its, like, like cocaine bear this direction that script and acting and all three of those elements are absolutely on point. Like the, the acting is superb and the, the direction and the pacing really gives the actors time in their scenes to work with their characters. Like the editing's very, very calm and, and allows us time with these characters. And I really like the time jump structure. I know some people have problems with that, but I really like, you do have to really pay attention because it's not sometimes not made explicit when it's jumped or when the time shifts, but um, it is clear if you keep watching as it jumps around. And just watching the older brother Francis uh, really his his anger at his the injustices around him build and build and build as he's trying to look after his much smaller little brother trying to make money, make his way through the world, trying to um, graduate out of his uh, school, his college degree, and trying to uh, handle their mother as well, who's working all the time. It's really eye-opening. And it's one of those movies that... I'm a, I'm a white dude from England. I had no idea. Like, obviously, we have in many, many inner-city stories that are similar, that come out of English cinema, but... My knowledge of of how it works in Canada is obviously much more limited, so it was a real eye opener for me as well. Turns out it's so the many, same kind of yeah, everywhere. That's it. To see the exactly the same kind of shit, basically, and to see these people go through it. And what I really like about this film is that it's not exhibitionist. It's not performative. It's not stereotype. Like it, it's it's shot almost in a way that just feels really real. But on the other uh, a f- flip side of that is that the, the visual quality of this movie is amazing. There's some beautiful color themes that run through this movie and it is just shot and lit like beautifully. I really, really yeah. enjoyed this film. Yeah. It's really well, really well made and really well acted. I think Aaron Pierre and Lamar Johnson are both just utterly magnetic. Um, mm in their respective roles. And I think, so this was directed by Clement Virgo, who is um, obviously Canadian uh, writer and director. Um, and I think part of, part of what make might make this better might just be the, his particular resume. Um, he probably most famously directed, uh, he worked on the wire for HBO he worked on the Book of Negroes for CBC. He recently directed uh, a couple episodes of that Dahmer monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, which, as a total side note, is the dumbest fucking title for a show ever. Um, but uh, like he's got a he's got a longer um, he's got a longer resume and a very uh, relevant resume to the subject matter at hand. Um, and it feels like he learned all of the right lessons uh, from all of that to get to here. 
um, and to direct this really powerful character piece. And you're you're right, Aaron Aaron Pierre as oh, sorry is that right? Um, Francis's character, Aaron Pierre's mm-hmm. sort of yeah. slow build of just tension and frustration and and is a, it's a thing to behold. And then Lamar Johnson as the now older and dealing with trying to like grief and protect his mother and all of this stuff is also like who's facing many of the same at least he has that same buildup for slightly different reasons and it's it's a a wonderful parallel to watch those two time frames play out mm-hmm. and then to see them resolve together at the end mm-hmm. um and yeah i think this is honestly it's one of the one of the best films i've seen in a while um and and i think most of canada seems to recognize that this movie is nominated for two three four five six seven all right one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen canadian screen awards this year thirteen uh up to and including and right, right up to and including best picture best director best lead performance two nominations for best supporting performance um uh, best director, best art design, uh, and then a bunch of like best score, best casting, um, and then a bunch of like technical awards. Um, and rightly so. It's uh, not only is it one of the best Canadian films I think I've seen in quite a while. Um, it's also just one of the best films I've seen in quite a while. Mm. And it's kind. Of, it's one of those films where now that I've finally seen it, because I've had a, we have a couple of friends, mutual friends, who've been one particular. Hi, Dakota. Um, who's been raving about this movie since he saw it at Biff. And now that I've seen it, I would be like, yeah, I wish I had seen this at Biff in a theater with a bunch of people. I feel like it would have been uh, at least as, but probably more impactful seeing it with a crowd and with uh, having someone to like, uh, like a bunch of, a bunch of people around to like debrief with afterward would have been really something else. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it's, it's just... you know, we, we focus a lot on, you know, American racism when it comes to African American, Afro Canadian people, we we typically mm-hmm. focus on, you know, age the Asian diasporas and uh, Indigenous peoples when we discuss Canadian racism. But it is it's it's very interesting and I think very important that we keep talking about Canadian racism towards Afro Canadian people. It's this movie will make you do that in in a good way. It'll force you to reflect in ways that will be uncomfortable and important. Yeah, it's certainly up there with the best Canadian movies I've ever seen. It's the kind of movie that makes me start thinking a lot about what... I don't know if this... Was this out too late to qualify for this year's Oscars? Because it's no. listed as a 2022. So it was not. I'm, I'm very interested in, like, why, why would this film not appear would it appear as a foreign movie in the oscars because it technically is a foreign movie or is that down to language more than that's a language as far as i know that's a language thing so like canadian there have been canadian films nominated for best foreign language film at the oscars and they have all been in french right so i'm I'm interested after watching this incredibly made film that's visually stunning as well and the acting's amazing and the script's amazing and it is a incredible movie why then is it why does it not feature among lesser movies at the oscars like do you is there a bias against canadian movies or canadian dramas at the oscars or is or does this go back to your your comment about it being a regional awards show that it's america first with a few uh different languages thrown in for the mix like why 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 do we not see this I think it comes down to two different things when it comes to talking about the Oscars or the Globes or anything is that, yes, they are very distinctly regional awards shows, um, but also like they are also popularity contests and their popularity contest fuels fueled by marketing campaigns, which are fueled by money, which this Canadian productions just actually don't have a ton of for this kind of thing. Mm. Um, it's actually really interesting when like one thing, you know, we as Canadians, we're very, very proud of our film industry and how much content is produced here in Canada. But the truth of the matter is that 
99% of that content is made by Americans for American audiences. And the actual, quote, Canadian film industry is very, very, very small and does not have a ton of money behind it. And I think that, you know, for a movie like this to make a splash at a big international awards show would take probably, and again, this is, I have exactly no inside information. This is all conjecture on my part, but I think it would take more money than a film like this is going to have at its disposal. Uh, than a studio is going to have at its disposal, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, we did see some Canadian stuff at the Independent Spirit Awards this year. Um, the Porter, which is a CBC show, uh, was nominated for a bunch of awards. Uh, and I haven't seen it, but again, it seems like rightly so. But also, that was a co-production with BET, which is an American network. So right. there's money coming from more than one place there. Yeah. And... You know, it's it's and then, and just to come back to a third point, like the Oscars are not the arbiters of, of quality. Like there's there are hundreds of movies every year that the Oscars does not recognize that um, are amazing, um, and they're not just from Canada. There's there's a whole there's a whole film industry in most countries, and the Oscars do not recognize any of them. So I, it's a uh, it's a, it's it's a regional weird. a regional award show. That's what it boils it's down to. It's just a bit weird, isn't it? It's just a bit weird watching this film. At the end of this film, you have that wonderful kind of beat where you realize you've just watched something amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the, the natural kind of reaction to that, because we're so plugged into this, is, oh, I wonder if this will feature in the Oscars. Like, this, this person should get nominated. This movie should be in the pool. And it's so... Uh, what's the word? Disheartening, maybe? I don't know. To, to watch a film like this and to to see it not recognized outside of its regional, like the country's regional awards, is is something that makes you question, as we have been doing, like the Oscars in general. But I know I know for many filmmakers winning an Oscar, in fact the, the Daniels said this, that this is not winning an Oscar is not a normal thing. Like don't have this as your uh, your your point of focus because it's not normal. Just keep making what you make, and I'm sure many many filmmakers can give a shit about Oscars recognition. But from the consumer point of view, it's it's weird for me to watch something so amazing as this film mm-hmm. uh, in in every way, technically acting. And I I want to point out the wider cast as well: Kiana, Madeira's Aisha, Lavelle Adams, Grey's Jelly, and. Um, I don't have the the mum's name, unfortunately, on my cast. Uh, that list, was, but was that Marsha Stephanie Blake? I think maybe my I'm my a... cast list doesn't have it. Uh, doesn't have her, but just everyone. Yeah, Marsha Stephanie Blake. Everyone was just so uh, authentic, and and that for me was really the key to this whole thing. Is that it felt so authentic, especially as it does a very tricky thing, and it has a couple of scenes of people dancing to music like and uh what's meant to be like cool music and so many movies get that wrong or or make it just look really out of place and and uncomfortable and the scenes where everyone's getting down at the barbershop to to the music and the camera sweeps around everyone just having a good time it was just so it just felt really real and really true to that culture and and of course you've got this is because you've got a director from that culture and I don't know about the writer, but I'm sure they're from that culture too. And, uh, it's, uh, so, uh, very, Clement, very real. Clement Virgo writer, adapt, it? Ad- adapted it from, um, I can't remember. It's like a novel or a novella, but it's an adapted screenplay. Right. Just felt very real. So when things happen, when the, the, the racism happens when the, the police brutality happens. It also feels very, very real. So there's a lot of education there as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. What, what a film. Yeah, David, uh, the writer of the novel's name is David, and I'm going to probably butcher this, but it's Char- Chariandi. And he is of African and uh, South Indian descent. And uh, yeah, so okay. I'm, he, he, he's from Scarborough. So like, I'm right. pretty sure he's pretty plugged into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, it's, you know, it's a really good case of, I think, 
all of the pieces, like all of the all the right people being in all the right places for a film mm-hmm. to succeed, for having again firsthand firsthand knowledge and um, the right the right sort of in, in terms of Clement Frigo, I think again the right mm-hmm. sort of experience to inform directing this film, um, and then a couple of young breakout stuff. I hope that they, I hope that both Aaron Pierre and Lamar Johnson get super famous. Lamar Johnson has already been in The Last of Us. I hope we see him mm-hmm. in a ton of stuff. And d- raise your hand if you also didn't know ahead of time that Aaron Pierre is English because uh, he, yeah. he has a distinctly Canadian accent in this movie um, that is, Aaron Pierre is English. What? Yeah. He is from Brixton. Excuse me a second. Yep. yep. He's from South London. South London. He's from fucking Croydon. Yeah. I've been to Croydon so many times. Yeah. Apparently his lawyer oh was the toast of Croydon, but anyway, that's a that's a bad reference. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm on Wikipedia. I just you're gonna have to fill some time while I I get over this. Oh, yeah. He, so you've seen him before. Loads of stage work. He was also in M Night Shyamalan's Old. He was in the Underground Railroad for Prime. He's been in a bunch right. of stuff. Um, he was. Oh, is he the rapper in Old? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Which is a movie I know that you hated because you don't like M. Night Shyamalan movies, but um, he I thought he's really good in that movie. He's really good in the part. So, um, yeah. And oh, he's, he's going to be... be uh, he's, get, he's in the Blade remake, right? Yeah, he's in Blade, and he's going to be in... Um, Rich. Uh, yeah, he's going to be the next Jeremy Saulnier uh, movie and a few other things. So there, I mean, he's on the rise, too. Wow, that's wicked. That's really, really cool. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, good for him. I had no idea. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a <Yeah>. bastard. <laughs> That's my reaction whenever I ha- anyone has a perfect uh, accent. It's like, ah, you, f- you bastard. Yeah. And uh, just as a side note for anyone who is interested, and honestly, we are Canadian, so we should be interested. The 11th Canadian Screen Awards are on April 16th, and I believe they're being broadcast on the CBC, and they're being hosted by Samantha B. And we should probably watch those because yes, we probably should. We're never going to get more Canadian film if we don't support the Canadian film industry. So again, let's let's let's, I, let's do that. Let's do that. that. That's a couple of my favorite films from the last year have been Canadian. That's really cool. Like actual mm-hmm. like Canadian productions, not just shot here because it looks nice, but yeah. really. Um, I know at least I know at least one of the best picture nominees is one you didn't like, but. Um, Brother, brother, uh, and Royce Boy sleeps, which both of which I've seen are both incredible. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I really need to watch that. What's just the one I don't like? Viking. You didn't like Viking, yeah? Uh, no, I don't like Viking at all. Yeah, you, anyway. had a, you did not. You did not buy into the absurdity of that film. <laughs> I feel as a shame. Oh, no, let's. Not, oh, come on, dude. Let's not. Let's not go back over. It didn't buy into the absurdity of that film. That was my point. Anyway. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, um, how many stars? Yeah, the, how many stars for Brother? Uh, five. I'll give it five. It's five. Yeah. It's a. It's such a good movie. It's so. Yeah. It's it's pretty pretty close to perfect. I I agree, and um, on it's that's what I don't get about IMDb ratings. It's seven point four on IMDb at the moment. I'm like, what do people? What is there in this movie that people? could not like maybe so i'm gonna go ahead and say that like um don't 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 pay attention to imdb (laughs) ratings i also (laughs) don't pay attention to rotten tomatoes audience scores um Mm -hmm. and there's it's not i mean honestly what look at whatever ratings you want to look at i don't doesn't actually affect me uh in any way Mm -hmm. but for me personally and i feel like probably for you as well Mm-hmm. The the critics score is a much more on Rotten Tomatoes, and again, just as like a binary, it doesn't mean that it's like Brother is sitting at ninety four percent. That doesn't mean it's ninety four percent good. It means that nine, you know, ninety four mm-hmm. people out of a hundred have liked it, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, I think it's actually fifteen out of sixteen logged reviews. But anyway, right? Okay. Um, and I, the reason that I personally 
if I do look at a Rotten Tomatoes score, I only look at the critic score. And the reason for that is that my personal feeling about audience scores, and I don't, this is going to sound like a slight, but I don't mean it to, is that I don't feel like the average moviegoer watches enough film. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think when you get to a point where we're at and where most critics are at, we have seen so many films, it takes, you become you come to appreciate things in a different way. I think, I think a, a shorter form way to say what I'm trying to say is that your taste becomes more esoteric. Because you're looking for different things, you're looking for more technical aspects, you're looking for more nuance and performance, and you're looking for more different things. Like there's plenty of people on TikTok who rave about Marvel movies who've only basically watched superhero movies. And I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's wrong. But like I need more than that now because I watch more stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. like the same thing, go back to Cocaine Bear, like I have definitely seen more I have definitely seen worse movies than Cocaine Bear. And I didn't like Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Just again, mm-hmm. for the record. But I've definitely seen worse movies. And that's just, again, it's... But, you know, for the average person, like, even... It's probably it's probably a three out of five for most people. But most most people haven't seen that many movies. And it's just that's just a fact. A fact, right? My, Which is why I'm always on Team See It For Yourself. And why I'm always on team, go watch more movies. Like, there's there's no downside to watching bad movies, watching more movies, and watching bad movies will inform your taste as much as watching good movies. So, watch it for yourself and watch it to the end are my two sort of, like, rules and guidelines for consuming film. That was a bit of a rant, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's very healthy on that point to watch everything and don't be afraid of not liking something just because other people like it like if a movie doesn't work for you i think it's equally important then is to be very very critical or or very very clear and precise about why you don't like the movie Mm -hmm. rather than just doing blanket no it's terrible like it's the uh like okay man is a good example because i've spent I, i think i'm quite sensitive to bad filmmaking technique because i've been involved with so much of it it's so i'm just gonna like as as an english wait 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 as as an english teacher now who spent 15 years teaching high end grammar it's really hard to read something that hasn't been edited or or proofread properly because the mistakes like it's like the matrix the mistakes just burst out at you what were you gonna say I was going to say, I'm just going to interrupt your moment of self-reflection to say you are definitely very sensitive to that. To, <laughs> like, my, to like minor filmmaking mistakes. And that's not a criticism. Like everyone's taste is everyone's taste. That's totally fine. Um, mm. In the same way that I will basically always enjoy a giant monster film, even if it's shit. You know, taste is taste. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, the one the one thing I will say is that I think we're just waxing on about criticism at this point. But the one thing I will say is I do think I, I do think it's important that when people are in our position, when, you know, I don't want, I'm not going to say that we're like tastemakers or anything like that. We do have a dedicated audience now, which again, thank you very much to everyone who's listening. But one thing I try to do is that when I do dislike a film, I do try to at least point out a few things. I think other people would like because Mm -hmm. just because I'm not, I'm not the arbiter of taste either. So I think it's important to be like, you know what? Cocaine Bear is bad, but Margot Martindale and Alden Ehrenreich are funny in it. Is, you know, I think that's important too. Isn't that right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I don't disagree with you in this particular instance. I there was not a single thing that I would be able to point out as a positive. I also think it's uh, what I take as a given, which it keeps actually coming back to slap me in the ass, is that. I keep assuming that everyone remembers a review as a subjective opinion. Oh, no, no. People don't remember that at all. It's not fact. And every time that comes round and I get in some random conversation about someone uh, about it, like, what do you, why, why, why does my opinion feel any more valid to you than your opinion? Why your opinion is not more valid to me than my opinion. I'm interested to hear it and I want to talk about it, but you shouldn't be taking my opinion as fact. Just like I, I don't take your opinion as a fact. Isn't that that guy that you had a wonderful interaction with 
who seem to forget that all art is subjective and all reviews are opinions. There is no such thing as an objective review. It, in fact, there shouldn't be anything as an objective review. An objective review is a technical spe- specification sheet. Yeah, uh, an, ob- an objective review. Opinion. An objective review of the movie Brother would be: it is a film. It is one hour and fifty nine minutes long. <laughs> features leading performances <laughs> by Aaron Pierre. And you know, like, and those are the worst kind of reviews, right? The yeah. worst kind of reviews that we've seen on Rotten Tomatoes are ninety-nine percent factual statements about the film with one line of subjective opinion at the end. That's not a review at all. It's it's a press release, and yeah. uh, every, every review is an a subjective opinion. And I keep just assuming that people just know that, and it always terrifies me when people demonstrate that they don't know that well you know but, what they say when you make an assumption you make it a, an asset of you and umption so um <laughs> don't don't do that <laughs> uh anyway what yeah. are we watching next week oh five stars uh, for me as well by the way five yeah, five for me what yeah. are we looking at? oh i have no idea i have no idea what we're watching next week but um we will be back with something um so do tune in or listen wherever you're fine podcasts are served um and i think we're going to wrap it up there based on the look on your face right now the no, i'm uh, just looking at my collection and i'm thinking you know if you want to do dragon slayer i'll find it and watch it if you want to watch your funny blu-ray of dragon slayer we can pair it with krull and just really <laughs> really go for it <laughs> i mean it's not a bad idea we'll talk about it okay. um but that's where we're going to stop the show for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you are new here or if you're old here, we appreciate each and every one of you. And if you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Um, that would help us immeasurably. You know, Subscribe, like, tell your friends. And if you'd like to support us a little more directly, you can do so via Patreon or Ko-fi. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, we are now... Um, regularly doing bonus content so this week you'll be treated to a conversation about the movie dragon slayer and idris elba and a few other things uh so if you like the sound of our voices there's about 20 more minutes of it for you if you subscribe um you can find the show on the social medias twitter and instagram at awesome friday ca you can find me at smatthew af you can find simon at temporary pen um, we record this in Vancouver on the ancestral lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. Uh, one more time, thank you so much for joining us on this awesome Friday. Thanks, bye.